0: Damn. Uh. Welcome back again to another episode of the 104 podcast this is episode 30 are you excited 30? 30th episode I can't even believe the that. 104 podcast uh, this is a podcast about the Edmonton Oilers in a healthy and productive manner my name is Cameron Uh across from me is a person that Terry Jones has disclaimed to be a genius in Edmonton Besides Peter you tell you Tanti. Thank you
1: very much, Terry <laughs> Jones. I appreciate uh, the honor. I don't appreciate the backlash that's coming.
0: Yeah, I mean, anytime is I think it's like a curse if like Terry Jones calls you a genius in any way. You're like, that's not though. You take that back, Terry Jones. I just like,
1: you know, I dread being in a Terry Jones article, regardless mm-hmm. of what he has to say about me. Yeah, cause that's it's gonna bring like remarkable dread and anger and pa- <laughs> pain to my life.
0: That's my feeling. That's absolutely true. Probably <laughs> you're most likely true in that case. Uh, it's been a interest. It's been a very very interesting week in Oilers in Oilers. Them right. It has been. It has been. been, There's
1: been lots of stuff going on. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I think four game weeks are just generally busy. Yeah. But we had... Like um, just so much drama. It's been a lot <laughs> of drama. <laughs> you and I've been texting a lot this week, yeah. which means I know yes. that something's been going on.
0: It's like stuff happening. You even attended a game. Holy I went to a game moly. this week.
1: Yeah, it was crazy.
0: <sighs> anyway. Backdoor
1: to backdoored into the <laughs> into Rogers' place. <laughs> just,
0: just like McDavid saucering you a pass and just made I, it I into almost it. was there. Yeah, yeah really. I was there. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, we, let's hit the recap. Let's do the recap.
1: All right, so the Oilers played four games this week. I gave them a zero chance of having a yeah. win this week. I <laughs> said they would go 1-2-1. and one. You crushed it 3-0-1. Oh, I said 2-2. Two two. Oh, you said 2-2. Two two. Yeah. Okay. The Oilers actually went 3-0-1. Oh, All right. Yes, they were 3 0 oh, uh, Yeah, you were closer than I was, that's for sure. <laughs> the Oilers started the week after we recorded with a one nothing hard-fought win against Calgary. Very interesting game. Yes, very Defensive. interesting uh minded hockey the, what we've come to expect in the hitchcock era mm-hmm. can i say hitchcock era
0: yes I, I think that's a very very uh cute yes it's been like 12 games the era the of era <laughs> uh, We can't just go to like bh and ah
1: the first time it felt like well not for the first time but uh, it's been a while since the oilers got a uh video review call mm-hmm. that actually was in their favor that was meaningful it's very rare uh, yep. that, that was positive and meaningful yep. they got one in calgary sure um, did maintain the shutout for Koskinen, and he came out with a one-nothing win then went over to colorado and kind this- of blew the doors off of colorado really early this game give you fits yeah this game was all <laughs> over this game was, yeah, was weird because it was like the Oilers were so far ahead and uh, it seemed like every time Colorado got a goal, I mean, it would, it would, uh, score back until the third period when the whole team just kind of basically fell apart. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but you know what? You win. Place you win. You win. That's, yep. that, that's all. That I mean, points are points.
0: Four. Uh, I can definitely see Hitchcock looking back at that game and being like, what happened here? Yeah. And I can tell Hitchcock is like, well, he, definitely- said he
1: said it was the third period was the issue. They, yeah. they played really well up until then. <laughs> and, and that was a problem. Then Edmonton went into Winnipeg mm-hmm. on Thursday night and lost 5-4, but in overtime in, I think, a really, another, you know, the last time they played Winnipeg, you said they were down 4-1 and going to the third and ended up winning 5-4, mm-hmm. correct? Yep. Um, they were down 2 nothing 3-1 in this game.
0: Yep, 3-1.
1: Ended up. Coming back, pushing into overtime. Actually, they were ahead. They were ahead four three. Yep. Yep. And Winnipeg. Um, brought back. It was a great. It sounded like it was a great game.
0: I missed it. Actually. It was a good was game in the sense that Winnipeg, uh, the the Oilers were hanging on. Like Winnipeg is a really really good team, and it seemed like the Oilers were just hanging on. But it's good. Like I, in the sense of like the Oilers are going to, against two good teams, Colorado and Winnipeg, and they 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 hung on. They were leading for a point. They, I mean, Cam Talbot was on goal during that game. I mean, the overtime goal was kind of weak. At the same time, no faults to Cam. I mean, Winnipeg is a damn good team. They yeah, real it, good. Yeah.
1: It's interesting you say that because I think there's been some pushback against Cam Talbot this week as well too. That's emerged mm-hmm. after that performance. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah,
0: it's to be expected.
1: But yeah, Winnipeg was a good. Is a good team. It's, it's a good team.
0: Like I, I there's seeing I mean, the Oilers
1: hang with them and then come back and
0: like Liney like, has this crap load of goals. He's like, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: And then Friday night, oh, Philadelphia yeah. comes to town on the back to back. The game I thought was going to be really problematic for the Oilers. They traveled overnight. It mm-hmm. was uh, mm-hmm. fourth game now in, of the week, uh, second and two nights, and they crushed the Flyers. They did four to one.
0: They were up three nothing. It was they good.
1: Three nothing in the yeah after the second period. Mm-hmm. It was. Uh, I was there, so I've got some uh, firsthand knowledge firsthand of this. knowledge of this. <laughs>
0: did you catch a T-shirt?
1: No, I didn't. <laughs> I, I Damn. didn't. Um, Damn. I think when they when you sit in lodge seating, they do don't, like, they, they like they don't <laughs> give you anything because it's just like if someone in that they, they, the optics of them someone in that seating getting something like <laughs> food uh, would out of be town. like really bad. Yeah, yeah. Um, but also, like you can't complain because I'm like sitting mm-hmm. in a swivel chair, like yeah, watching I mean, the game
0: too so. <laughs> With a table. You actually, have like leg room. That's I realize it's
1: my first game of the the year. Um, mm. And we talked about entertainment a little bit, and Mm -hmm. I actually was like, it's better. They stepped it up this year. Oh, interesting. Interesting. There was a bunch of Christmas-centered stuff that was going on, but actually I like much less felt much less corporate but also the best time to go to an Oilers game I guarantee you is Friday night doesn't matter who they're playing Friday night is the night to go to an Oilers game 100%
0: everybody's a little bit liquored up and they're just happy to like liquored up yeah but
1: like yeah maybe that's a big piece of it but I think it's also more fun no one has to work the next day a lot of people don't have to work the next day there's a lot just uh letting things loose mm-hmm. it was a really it was fun crowd
0: that's cool yeah that's cool that's good to know that's good to know so I mean like three and one we the only loss we had was against Winnipeg and it was an overtime it's a good week man <laughs> like seven of eight points yeah it's I mean <laughs> that climb does not are too. the Oilers good that I think that's gonna be our our next topic. <laughs> to the new <laughs> year it's <laughs> so, good the are third tied for third in the Pacific uh moved into sixth in the West. We're looking alright. <laughs> Where are your strengths this week? uh my strengths. I mean, I texted it to you, and I said, I don't know if we gave this person a strength yet, and he's been consistently one of our best players. It's the Nuge. The Nuge. The Nuge. He's been so good. He's been so good this whole season. He has uh, – he scored – I think he scored a couple goals against Colorado. Um, right. <laughs> when, I, when he texted me, he was like, oh, my God, Lucic. I was like, I was working out. And I was like, <laughs> I, "I was like, what, well, did he score? <laughs> and I looked at him and I was like, oh, he had a good pass. Nuge scored. And I'm like, he's never going to score. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, no. Nuge was, has but been – But when he does. When he does, yes. <laughs> Nuge is <laughs> – it's going to be a celebration. Um, when New- Nuge has had a really re- amazing season, and it's great because a lot of people have been, I would say, finally paying attention to this because Connor McDavid and Drysaddle are on the top line. Nuge is basically carrying the back half of that top But the top first six. thing that Hitchcock said when he got here yeah. was that
1: he, the strength of Nuge's play allows him to put Drysaddle Absolutely, absolutely.
0: I mean, Hitchcock knows this. I'm telling I'm saying like, the broader hockey universe have, has been trying to finally figure out that Nuge is a damn good player. Yeah. And he's yeah. been that way for years. Um, but <clears throat> Nuge is really showing. And he, Nuge has had an interesting week. And it's something that we're going to talk about later on as well. Yeah. Um, but he definitely... Oh, full props to Nuge, man. Look,
1: there were three players that were supposed to be the, like, centerpiece of the rebuild. Mm-hmm. Emberly, Nuge, Hall. Hall. Who's left? Nuge. Nuge. And there's a reason why. I mm-hmm. think everyone sees... I mean, like the, you know, you spend twenty minutes watching Nuge play, and you know he's he's something. He's really he's a first overall pick. He's a like, first he's, overall he's, pick. He's Everyone really forgets good. that like, he's a first really, overall pick. Really good, He's, he's damn he's, good. Uh, yeah, there's there's tons of comparisons to other players, and but he's
0: subtly good. He's very subtly when you watch a lot of hockey. Yeah. In Oilers hockey. I don't, want, I don't know. I don't want to big time anybody. Uh, when you watch a lot of Oilers hockey, you realize how important, how good Nuge is by carrying lines. He goes into different checking lines and just elevates them. It's He's fantastic player. He is, uh, he, and he kills families. All, I'm totally with
1: you. Who's your strength? Darnell Nurse. Yes. And not, I mean, he's had an up and down week. Yeah. Not been incredible by mm-hmm. any means in that way. Um but he's been elevated because of the loss of Oscar Clefbaum, which we'll talk yep. about a little bit later. Yeah. Um, and he's been asked to play a lot more minutes to you know, be a lot more offensive. And you know, he scored this week. He scored a bunch <laughs> this week. Did, he did. He's been playing. He does the mm. uh, the power play. He's the defenseman on the power play.
0: Mm-hmm. On the uh, point,
1: yeah, or on the point. And he is uh, he took Oscar Clefbaum's place in overtime, and he's been doing generally pretty well. Um, I'm really excited for Darnell, Nurse, Darnell Nurse's development and what this extra time will mean for him later right. on in his career. Because I think, I don't think Darnell Nurse is at the level of Oscar Clefbaum where he could play yes. 30 minutes a night right now, but I think he could be. Mm-hmm. And you know, this is when we talked about Hitchcock and how he's going to infect different players and players individually. Darnell Nurse was one of the ones I was really excited about. The entire defense mostly, right. but but him, him and Clefbaum. And you've seen Clefbaum elevated his game and doing really well, and now Nurse is beginning to chip in and has to has to step into those shoes. And what better place to do it than now under Hitchcock and, and, and in this sort of setting in the, on the Oilers, right? Absolutely.
0: And you know, it's interesting you brought up Hitchcock. He mentioned about Nurse specifically. He said um, the more he plays, the better he is. Um, so yes, I yeah, think he's
1: better at 27 minutes than he is yeah, at 15 or yeah, something Yeah, exactly.
0: Like so it's interesting he notes that, and I think – He's uh, developing into like one of those twenty-seven minute guys, like like a Ryan Suter type of player, where he is. He, I think that's what Hitchcock sees in Darnell Nurse, and that's very interesting that he sees that. So yeah. it's 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 all good signs for Darnell Nurse here.
1: So I'm so excited for this next question. <laughs> Who is your player with the most opportunities this week? Please so I I lay I, it
0: down. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I
1: I'm expecting a justification around. That.
0: I have a justification on this. I. So my opportunity, my, uh, my player with the most opportunities I felt this week, and I can hear the, the tweets coming, uh, it's Connor McDavid.
1: Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, I, I'll let you explain yourself. Here's, okay,
0: I'm looking at this at a very critical stat. Connor McDavid is the best player in the world, absolutely. Uh, he is a dynamite force. He has <laughs> – this week, and I noticed it a, a little bit, He's been coasting a bit. I feel. <laughs> um, he still puts up a damn full of points. He still. I, there's other players where I'm just like. I think he had more points than games this week, I think so. Okay. And I think he's he's been he's fantastic. <laughs> like he's a fantastic player. But I I noticed his um, someone put up his stats on this Corsi. His Corsi four was 23.6 percent against Winnipeg, and it was maybe a little bit a little bit about 30 percent. Corsi in Philly, in Philly. yeah so here's the situation um and i don't know if it's connor i don't know if it's dry and Chaseon has been really good too um i'm just it's interesting to see that and i'm and i'm very curious like because last year connor was like just and trailing in like just a little bit trailing in points against kucherov and then he just stepped it up in the second half um he's again so trailing trailing right now against Ratnan and mckinnon and he's Step. I wonder if he's going to step it up in well, the second half. Well, I
1: think we've seen consistently, except for the year where he got hurt. Mm-hmm. He always gets better in the second half of the season. Yeah, uh, he gets. It, there's, there's like a, a sixth or seventh or twelfth gear that Conor McDavid is able it's to. He's like hit. afterburners. Yeah, afterburners. Yeah, it's yeah, 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 It's something uh, really unique. I think this is the closest he's been to scoring leader at this point. Yeah, uh, in his career. Because he's never like you've never like walked out in, in December and been like oh yeah Connor McDavid is ahead like he's always been in the conversation he's absolutely. been in the conversation but and he, then he and yeah. then he takes like takes that next off. step yeah. and everyone else kind of falls yeah. falls back because it's you can't so
0: I'm just interested into seeing his, what that next step what is. the next step is well and yeah.
1: I think that Hitchcock and the changing of the way that the team has played like the, the systems and stuff mm-hmm. has probably impacted him a little bit mm-hmm. too. Much more defense. So, I mean, they're, I think winning, so one too. Game. Yeah. they're winning games one nothing against Calgary instead of losing them like six four exactly seven three. Yeah. and you know those those are the games where Conor McDavid would, would We'd
0: have get three like points. four points. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> four points and, you know, There's only the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> other <of> team only goals. <laughs> you get the first and second. I sense. think it's an interesting. I think it's an interesting take. Um, I'm just it's not again. It's one of those things like like same thing as the weeks before where like we were saying Larson and Drysdale. Yeah. we like these are really good players. There, there's another level that they can get to, and I think McDavid. I want to see McDavid's. Next well, one and
1: place. it's hard to find someone with opportunities when the team goes three zero. Exactly one, right, and I. That's the same with me. So my guy with opportunities this week was Cassie, and mm-hmm. it was because it wasn't because Cassie made any like major mistake, had a bad week, or anything mm-hmm. like that. Hitchcock has kind of reshuffled the two third lines as he calls it now, like the yeah. two, the two bottom lines. Yeah. Um. So that identity line doesn't really exist anymore. Lucci just moved up <laughs> or down depending on how you, you, just, how you feel it. Um, Brodziak has elevated his game uh, and I thought who, the person that got lost in that shuffle and ha- has felt the biggest impact of Kyra being moved up to the second line is Zach Cassius. Yep, I'm with um, you. And, and you know it's fine, he's going to ebb and flow, he's a, mm-hmm. he's a bottom six player mm-hmm. and he does his job and, and has a job to do and some days that's going to be really glowing and great and some, some weeks it's not going to make any sort of impression and this week was one of those weeks where he didn't really make any kind of impression on me but I mean the team is this is like we talked this last again. week it's a, it's a good week one it's like Cassie and Lee, well he just wasn't that noticeable it yeah. wasn't there was nothing really bad about his performance in the yeah. plays but I think he got lost a little bit in that shuffle of players
0: I agree there is uh I, I had some honorable mentions in this too Kyra was really good this week Kyra uh, was outstanding yeah uh on also really good this week
1: yeah, I really like Jason, you know, uh, I think he's starting to figure out where he needs to be and how he needs mm-hmm. to play with McDavid where it's just basically like be ready to shoot at all times, yeah, every time. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. He's like get it get in the front of the goal. Dry had an amazing week. Some also, some of the passes that he's made oh, this week were outstanding. Too.
0: Again, one of those things where like Dry like you see these little small little things and one all of a sudden where you just listen to the one oh four podcast and, and then you're you just out. like you figure it out. <laughs> figured out that he's a damn good passer he's a damn good player all right let's
1: let's take a break we'll talk about uh, what's coming up next week cool All right, so coming up this week, the Edmonton Oilers have three games. Uh, a little bit more spaced out, get a little bit more of a break. Keith yeah. guston been talking about that, like practice and having a practice. They haven't really had one since he started. We talked practice? We talked practice. <laughs> Man, we're talking, we're talking about practice. practice. <laughs> I'm MVP. Uh, tonight, the Oilers are up against the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, Pedersen is a very good player. So He's eh? <laughs> so good. Very good. So good. Um, um, Vancouver has a bunch of really young, talented players. Players. Yep. I think I see Vancouver being very good in...
0: If they don't mess it up, it, they could be really Two good. or three years. Yeah. Bo <clears> Horvat <throat> right. still really good. Brock Boozer, still really good. Uh, Petterson really good. Um, yeah. of still pretty good. Like, Is it Boozer or Besser? I think it's Besser. I just call him Boozer. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's re- wow, definitely percentage. Brock Besser. <laughs> um, so after that, Tuesday night into St. Louis. Uh, St. Louis team that they should beat... Um, they're not looking one good. One of the worst St. teams Louis. in the league. Yeah. yeah, I was looking. I've been trying to like re, you know, like I have as a kid, I knew who the good teams were, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. then they sort of have that sort of allure to them, but they're not always the same. Was like when Colorado was really bad, I still thought they were really good yeah, because you're like, the Colorado oh, Avalanche. Like
0: yeah, yeah, <laughs> and Forsberg, yeah,
1: right? Obviously they're good. <laughs> and Patrick Waugh <Wah>. um, Saint Louis is not good. Not good this year. Not good. But you know who is good and who is set up to maybe win the cup this year this will be a test tampa bay on Absolutely. saturday night it'll
0: be a test yeah. it'll be right the test this this tampa bay game i think is a very good litmus test of how the Oilers are going to be this 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 year um again if they come up against good teams like the nashvilles the tampa bays um uh, they've done well with nashvilles i'm very curious of this tampa bay game so
1: you're ken hitchcock You've got I'm three, three games sense. here. Defense. You've defense. got a Sunday defense. Defense. <laughs> Sunday, Tuesday, <clears> Saturday. Throat> Saturday. Throat> mm-hmm. You have two goalies.
0: Yeah. Who starts?
1: Who starts every game?
0: I'm gonna go Talbot, Koskinen, Koskinen. That's my. That's your
1: prediction for this week.
0: Yeah, he's gonna Talbot's gonna start against Vancouver. I
1: think this should be our prediction. Not how many games they win. Who play? Who starts and who does? This is a good call. I'm gonna go Koskinen. Yeah, Koskinen. Koskinen
0: oh three with Koskinen interesting so Talbot's out in your eyes I think
1: this is the week where Koskinen finally solidifies puts nail in the coffin wins the job
0: that makes sense I mean there's no back-to-backs there I could see that
1: games they really spread out spread out there's one day off between the first two but then you got the whole week yeah I think you go Koskinen Koskinen Koskinen
0: we'll see what happens that's you know what you could be right about that I think that's it's I'm I'm with you, and that because that was my honorable uh, mention as well was Koskinen. Koskinen played well. This he's, week.
1: He continues to play well, and when you see him in person, he's a monster. Okay, let's get into <laughs> the, <laughs> let's the news. Let's get into the news. We week. got
0: so much news to cover. Um, my boy, oh man, we talked about this like <clears throat> talked about him for two weeks in a row, and now he's out. Also, bombs out for they said six to eight weeks, but the Oilers said indefinitely. He had surgery, he he has finger surgery or something like that, um, which is ugh. Oh, the Which is
1: where the doctor actually only uses one finger to perform the surgery. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> what was his left? Dad joke. Dad, Dad joke. joke. Uh, Elliot. Uh, yeah, so he's out indefinitely. That's what the order said. Yeah. Um, Damn. No, this is a huge loss. He's our
1: number one defender. Like he, was eating, he was just starting to find his groove under Hedgehog. Yeah. He was playing, like what we were talking about, you know, close to 30 minutes a night. He was a very efficient player. He played on offense, uh, power play, penalty kill. Um, it, yeah, it's, a oh, it's, it's, a it's a huge loss for the team. It's a huge loss for the team. And it's disappointing because it was. he was really starting to find his groove. Um such like a, a shitty kind of way to lose him too. I don't know if you saw the play yeah. where he was just basically like skating through, wasn't even looking. Like I know he was just chasing a guy. And Ugh. but yeah, anytime Stupid. and they said this on the broadcast and and and, and in subsequent sort of tweets and conversations after, it's like anytime that hand is on the stick and wrapped around it, and a puck hits it, it's going to be a mess. And that sucks. You know what's crazy that though? That he's going to go out six to eight weeks. He needs to have surgery. The guy played two shifts after I know. It happened too. Which uh, weird anyway, thing.
0: <laughs> kinda weird. Chris Russell also out. I don't know how long though.
1: Yeah, it's not going to mean much to the team, right? Just given how bad <laughs> he is, right, Herman? Right. Listen, I'm just. Listen, uh, I'm, just funny, like, I'm they, very
0: they, nuanced on this. No, you you're know not. this You're not nuanced <laughs> at all. About He's this. better than like uh, like a, a bag of Pox, a Kevin Gravel or someone. Like that. yeah. See, that's funny because Gravel was one of my honorable mentions for players. <laughs> He's been good.
1: Too. <laughs> Listen, (laughs) very nuanced. Thank you very much. This isn't going to have, you know, according to all of you millennials, the millennials and Herman out there, this isn't going to have any impact on the team whatsoever. He was a garbage player to begin with. He's overpaid and shitty.
0: Maybe. Bring up Kelly Jones. Bring up Ethan Bear. We're good. We're good. It has had an impact, okay? It It will be. It will be having it. He is is a great shot blocker. I think
1: he's days, not weeks, right?
0: these days yeah and yeah, he'll be back i think he's he'll be great, back in did you january say he's a great shot blocker, yeah. right there, yeah yeah he is he's one of the top that's shot blockers like the in the league backhanded
1: compliment i, I mean because <laughs> <when like>, what herman's <laughs> actually saying here is well because he he he's always on, on, the, on ground the ground yeah he's always on the ground or what he's saying is because <laughs> the puck's always in his yeah. zone exactly he has block, yeah. that's like
0: when they say like me and leach is a good hitter he's a good hitter because <laughs> he never has <laughs> He the never has a puck Ah boy, uh, let's talk about something positive. For no, sure, I see right through we'll your bullshit. <laughs> okay, I see right through your bullshit. Oh my god, let's talk about something we can both agree on. Alex Chaseon, he's been good. Yeah, career high in
1: goals. Yeah. I was sitting in with December the, when I was in the <laughs> group that I was sitting with on Friday night. It was like I told them the stat around how. The, that line is worth twenty one million dollars and he makes up six hundred and ninety five thousand dollars <laughs> yeah, of it. Exactly. And everyone just started laughing. You know what though? He is the new maroon. There is something about a player that can go to the net, be a little bit bigger, has mm-hmm. a little bit of touch, mm-hmm. um, does good board work that really fits in well with McDavid and the way that McDavid and Dry play.
0: You can see that in the Philly game specifically. And
1: when they you know, it doesn't need to be I mean, Herman, that sounds like a great role for you, honestly is I think you should be trying out for the Edmonton Oilers. You, I, you, could that, I could be that work, guy. Great board work, you stand in front. Yeah, stand in front. <laughs> you know, you've got you, you
0: got you got size and skill. You got a really, really interesting name, like Fernando Pisani. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: just be, exactly. Just get in there and exactly. just start scoring goals. And I mean, the Edmonton Oilers are the team of color. So you've been very true. well <laughs> here. Very true. <laughs> I, no, but you know, there is I like a su- skate, there's there's a certain <laughs> subset of player that just like 100% a- a- and individual that sits fits really well. It's not it's not an Eberly. It's mm-hmm. a Maroon and it's the same sort of thing. And Jason has like filled that role really well and he's figured it out and you know, he knows stick on the ice, heart, be ready to shoot at all times. Right. And because it's coming from somewhere, it might not be always be from Vic David either. We saw Drice on dry dry like, like just like, whew throw some passes.
0: Saucing Crazy. everywhere. Um, it's interesting you mentioned that because it's very close to the Pittsburgh model where with Sidney Crosby, you know, like in Pittsburgh was like trying to find Sidney Crosby's mate, trying to find Sidney Crosby's mate because Malkin was playing on the other line. Um, and what, who do they find that that worked the best for them? Like Kunitz, they find yeah. other like cheap players that could just are just get into, get into those areas know that that Sid is going to pass Going to find you and just shoot. <laughs>
1: it's not Phil Kessel.
0: No, it's not, it's Phil, not Kessel. Phil Kessel. Phil Kessel's better with Malkin, right? Exactly. Phil Kessel might be driving his own line. Yeah. And, that, and Crosby is, and the same thing with McDavid. Like Chase on, like you. That's a good. That's a good comparison with Patrick Maroon. Um, and I think Chase on. You saw specifically in that Philly game, he scored just by standing in the front of that, <clears throat> in front of the net. And then he almost got a second one, just like McDavid, of course, finds, yeah, like, yeah. My, by the way, my player with the most opportunities is Connor McDavid, by the way. Um, so He's he only <laughs> hit five goal posts this week. <laughs> so he finds Chaison with, like, with, like, with, like, two players in front of him, just finds him in the top of the, top of the circle. And he, he almost scored in that one. Stolars had a good save. But, like, yeah, that's what you need with McDavid. It's just, like, this good no, I think
1: is really worth the
0: conversation. Uh, yeah Yeah He's You know If you know Chase on Like he could be worth I wonder what happens At the end of the season though I'm very curious Of what kind of contract He might Oh he yeah might absolutely. Care Toby Reader's back
1: Yeah I He was back on Friday I think yeah. I didn't see The Winnipeg game I don't think he played In Winnipeg
0: He did uh, He kind of I don't know I don't remember if he did Here's my question for you Did you know that he was gone
1: Yes Yeah
0: yeah Because <laughs> I did I did, I did. <laughs> Oh I my. knew that. I knew that he was. Are, are you but facetious yeah. or did you
1: actually not? <laughs> A little bit of both. <laughs> yeah, pretty sure we talked about this. Some time. I know
0: we talked about it, but then I'm like, I look, watch the games. So I'm like, oh yeah, it was like, why is still no, be reading? I, I did notice it.
1: The weird <laughs> thing is, he's 22 and Spooner's 23, and they're yeah. very similar players and yeah. similar size, yeah. so it'd be very easy to be like, oh, blah blah blah. Uh, it wouldn't. Exist. I did notice him on Friday night when I was at the game. Right. There's sort of this. Um, he's got a he's got a, a really unique kind of speed yeah. to him. It's very Cassian-esque, and Cassian without the toughness kind of bit to him. Right. Uh, doesn't play a lot of minutes. I don't think no, that he doesn't. Uh, you know, he's part of that sort of reworked two third lines this sort is- of combination. And I think he's going to be passed around for a bit here. Yeah. Um, but I did notice him being gone, and I did notice him being back, but only because I think I was at the game and I could kind of see the entire ice as opposed to yeah, it's what's on bit- TV, right? Yeah.
0: I, you know, it's not... It's maybe because it's it was like, well... Kills
1: penalties, too. And the, the penalty kill had got better. They killed a four-minute game on... Uh, yes, uh, that was uh, a good one. Penalty on Friday night.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I think Toby Reeder is a good player. I'm just, I just, to be honest, I just didn't notice. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's gone. Well, him
1: and Spooner are very similar, right?
0: Yes, exactly. Uh, this person I did notice, Caleb Jones, he started his first game in Philly.
1: Yeah, I was cool. What do you I, feel about that? I got to watch his first shift. Yeah. And I, the guy, I, I was with uh, uh, one of my good friends and then his dad who actually brought us to the game. And the dad was very excited mm-hmm. about Jones's first shift. So we all paid attention to it. His first shift was a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> this mean, is like welcome, even, it was like, it was welcome, like welcome to, welcome the, to NHL. the NHL. So know. it was like he made like a pretty decent kind of play to break up a, a zone entrance um, by Philly, kicked the puck to Connor McDavid, which is you know where you go. and then it just is a disaster from there because Connor McDavid passed it back to him in the corner, and Connor McDavid went for like a breakout, and you could see him just like. He was like too nervous, didn't hit Connor McDavid with the pass back for the breakout. that The entire team left the zone as if they had made a breakout, and he was just sitting in the corner and he missed his pass. Oh so then he no. skated behind the net <laughs> and just sat there, and, and it was like, that was so like, uh oh, uh oh. <laughs> and then the, the dad was like, uh oh. <laughs> and the people, <laughs> it's like, oh no, welcome to the show. <laughs> then, like, didn't pass his partner, then his partner, so then the others, like, kind of went back. Then he, like, slammed it all the boards. Anyway, Dreisaitl <laughs> tipped it out of the uh, of the arena to, uh, or zone. off the playing surface yeah, to, yeah. like, end the sort of debacle that was his first <laughs> shift. His second shift, he got burned yeah, on a play, but he did. you know
0: what? He'll get better.
1: It's it's hard to play in the NHL. It is. It, <laughs> it is it's a big step jump. NHL. And I think it's hard, you know, your first year with the best player in the world. Mm-hmm. You've got one of the most demanding defensive coaches in in, mm-hmm. in the league. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, it's easy to get starry eyed. I thought his game got better as he played more, and sure that's did. what Ken Hitchcock said as well too. Yeah, he didn't play a
0: lot of minutes. Nope, <laughs> <laughs> as he should. Like yeah. he's back in the lineup this uh, today with, against Vancouver. Um, Caleb Jones is a, is an exciting, going to be an exciting player. But it's the same thing when like when Ethan Barry came up last year. His first couple games were like yeah, brutal. It's, it's <laughs> were brutal, know, but it's then he, gonna came, be he got better. He got it's, better. It's
1: going to be interesting. I think, uh, I think that we'll, we'll we'll see him improve.
0: Yeah, for sure. Next bit of news uh, on the athletics. Uh, Um, their beat writer interviewed Bob Nicholson um, and this is a quote specifically from that interview Um, so he asked can you say though that Peter's job Peter Torelli's job would be safe if the team makes the playoffs Nicholson says yeah there's no question I think there's a lot of changes that Peter hasn't gotten credit for he's really started to build he's starting to see some of the some of them come up now with the Joneses Caleb Joneses and the Bouchards we have a lot of assets which this organization haven't had for a while Peter deserves a lot of credit for that how do you feel about this
1: I don't know why we have to relitigate Peter Shirelli like every week.
0: I like. I, <laughs> no, I, no, no, no. My question is: Do you think that, like, if of he course, makes the playoffs, if you make
1: the playoffs as a general manager, of course you're not going to get like that's a stupid question. Of course he's not going to get fired. Yeah. And if he doesn't make the playoffs, he might not get fired. That's the better question. I mean. We, we, we have this ongoing conversation about the value of Peter Shirelli. you can't even like keep it together I, I can see your knee just going nuts over here <laughs> we re, relitigate this convers this question all the
0: time it's just interesting that Nicholson confirmed it it's interesting that he he put himself out there like that it's I'm, interesting
1: that he answered that question in that way exactly Absolutely. Yeah. um
0: that was that's my that's my take on this I'm like it's very curious he could have just been like well we're gonna evaluate at the end of the season we'll see what happens blah blah
1: yeah, but it's it's like of course if you make the playoffs the GM stays. If you make the playoffs, everyone stays. You know, except for the people that you have to resign. <laughs> not that, it's not like it's not like we're the Detroit Red Wings. It's been twenty three years and that we've become customary to playoffs. Like
0: yeah, you know. Okay, What if we make the playoffs? and We get swept in the first round, like really badly, like like what Chicago happened with Nashville.
1: Uh, that's fine. We made that's the fine. playoffs. All we were in the game. We are, and there's no way we're gonna get swept. <laughs> Sweets yeah. are so rare now, too. Like, there's, there's no like, it used to be one in eight. Yeah, you know, you could tell like that one in eight team was like, but that's not. And, and like, even you know, if they did, they made the playoffs. Like, it's a, that you got, you got to that place, we're, which we're, is not something that we are accustomed to. We're gonna go back but to this. We're gonna, we're, gonna like, go back to this. we're gonna go back to this. Go back, Shireli.
0: Every we're not gonna do it every week. Every I just time. saw this saw this quote, and I'm like, this is not you and I. Just in general, <laughs> as, a, as
1: as like a society, we're gonna have this. like <laughs> It's like bike lanes. Supervised in consumption, infill, in Peter, Peter Shirelli. Like you know, yeah, exactly. Like we're gonna do this all the time. We're gonna run uh, this back.
0: Oh boy, this is great. Um,
1: you I'm know, on Team Shirelli.
0: I know, oh, no, no way. <laughs> Just, what a shock! Um, <laughs> Miko Costa, Patrick Maroon, and Alex Chason. <laughs> Listen, he also did the Spooner trade this year. <laughs> Which Which was was nothing for nothing. It was (laughs) like air for air, okay? It's a net zero. Um, (laughs) This is going to be a big
1: topic. I am done with you.
0: (laughs) We're going to have a major, major fight here coming up. The (laughs) next trade that happens when Nuge gets traded, and that's when you turn. Yeah, I will turn
1: if Nuge gets (laughs) traded.
0: Um, Miku Koskinen has some of the best goal saves above Averaged per 60 minutes for gameplay which is fantastic to see Miku Koskinen this is a quote from one of a tweet uh, takes into account many aspects of shot quality against sample is still small but so far he's been very very Another
1: good. great example of Peter and going out there and Listen it, I am very
0: <laughs> I I have said on the record I have I definitely have eaten crow on this I thought Miku Koskinen was going to be a bust he has not been a bust. He's been fantastic. He is huge. When yeah. you
1: see him, like, I, you know, you see him on TV, and, and they talk about his size all the time. When I saw him on Friday, like, he is big. His butt is at the crossbar. Like, it really is. Um, but what's interesting about him is that I think he 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 plays a big game, and, and and I think he's probably playing above average for what his actual skill level is right now. But he fits really well into the way the Oilers are playing under Hitchcock. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mentioned this if not last week maybe the week previous gets just lots of stoppages yeah like he, just, he just sort of covers the puck he just slows down the pace of the game it makes it, 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 it I think when the Oilers are in trouble he sort of cuts the flow of the op, uh, opposing team um, but he's a very different game to Cam Talbot that you can he does. see he definitely and does. Cam Talbot is still good I think Cam <laughs> Talbot is <laughs> still is. a he's still good one in the league yeah um, yeah, I And He doesn't that. get I, I think there's doing this like whole push around like, oh now Koskinen's is the number one goalie trade Talbot, blah blah blah. As boomers <laughs> do. Um,
0: but like I think we're gonna talk about boomers in the next one. Yeah, yeah, wait.
1: <laughs> um, but I think he just he is just a big he really good at kind of cutting up the flow of the game. Yeah. Cutting up the periods. And then letting things flow when this team's doing well. Like he's he's got sort of like a very cerebral approach. He also does, his, he really his does. interviews are the best I've not heard his interviews oh my god they are like the typical weird goalie like one at one word answers like I'm gonna I'm gonna work on my Koskinen impression for this okay that's that's okay you have to he doesn't do a lot of interviews and when they do they're like atrocious he's just amazing yeah I love it yeah I'm I'm I'm, I'm. yeah the guys played well yeah Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. no excited to be here yeah yeah you know Talb's great guy yeah yeah. <laughs> it's so Great. good. Love.
0: I love that he also picked number 19 as his, as his number. I think that's really unique and really fun. Um <clears throat> speaking of boomers, oh man. Terry Jones. We talked about Terry Jones at the start of the uh, start of the podcast. Uh he had an article. His, the headline was um let's see here. I'm going to look it up right now. Uh, Jones, he's back. Edmonton knows GM Peter Shirley looking like the resident genius. Now we don't need to talk about Peter Shirley, we just talked about him right now. Um but this is really fascinating <laughs> in the sense that there's No,
1: I will go I will stand up Are for you gonna- Peter Shirley. <laughs> I won't stand with- up for the use of the term genius. <laughs> yes. I mean I think Peter Shirley is a very st- I think Terry Jones is a very stable genius.
0: <laughs> 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 yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. I love when we cross podcasts. <laughs> um, so, look.
1: Peters really has his ups and his downs. Mm-hmm. He gets he, he doesn't get enough credit for the good things. And he gets too Pummeled. much credit for the bad things. You sure. be, all right?
0: I'm with you on that. I'm just saying. You call things, him a genius. I
1: don't. Because the Oilers... The one thing I will say that I think was Peter Shirley's best move this year and that he won't get credit for for a while and maybe hasn't gotten enough credit for is removing Tom McClellan and bringing Ken Hitchcock on. I think Hitchcock has and that that's a GM move and that's a decision that he's made. Definitely. And I'll give him credit for that and I don't think and and I think that was borderline genius. I think but overall genius. Yeah. I mean it's hard it, He's, yeah. I don't the, know. the Peter Shirelli conversation is so much there's so much it's more to so it. Polarizing. There's there's it's so but there's like, so, it's it's too to, nuanced to the
0: worst. for hockey. Media culture right now I agree I agree And especially in Edmonton And we'll talk about the media in Edmonton In our big topic Because uh, that's going to be gonna next talk Andrew Ferentz, okay? We're, we're going to Andrew Okay Don't worry Yeah like we. I know like We're kind of burying the lead in this Because the biggest news That came out of Edmonton Was the Andrew Ferrance quotes That came out on the 31 Thoughts podcast We're going to talk about that In our big topic Alright so On our big topic today It's definitely Andrew Ferrance And um, if you don't know about this, first of all, welcome to the week. Um, <clears throat> second of all, go listen back to the last thirty-one thoughts podcast—not the last one, but the one before that, which is titled Andrew Ference on Thirty-One Thoughts and Sportsnet. Um, Ellie Freeman and Jeff Merrick interviewed Andrew Ference about the Bruins, about the Oilers, yeah, a whole range of topics, right? about a range of topics. His right? work
1: would be green, making the NHL green.
0: And I <clears throat> and I first want to state that. I'm actually, like, Andrew Ferris as a person is actually a really interesting, complex, and he does a lot of stuff in the community, which I really admire. Like, he started the November project. He does a lot of stuff around green energy. Um, He's done a lot for, even in Edmonton and in Boston. Like He works hard to work around the community, which I really admire, and he's all, for the most part, pretty open in regards to interviews. Um, So he's He's not afraid of being an outside of the line. Like now he works for the NHL, doing green stuff. Uh, he used to work for the NHLPA. He was in part of that uh, conversation when the lockout, the last lockout happened in 2013. Went. So Andrew Ference is out there in the world. He's doing stuff. I really admire him for that. <clears throat> and he did this interview uh, in regards to the, the, the disaster that was the 2013-2014 Edmonton Oilers. Or
1: 2014, um, 2015. I mean, that whole yeah. decade is sort of a blur. The thing. Dallas Eakins era is basically... Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He um, mentioned about... He talked about his life in the Bruins and then going into Edmonton and how different that was. I'm going to go through a little bit of some of the quotes here. Um, <clears throat> he first talked about the media. So he said, I think there's a combination of elements that go into it. I think that, like I said, that aspect of feeling more scared to make a mistake and be the whipping boy rather than being bold and taking your chances and having that confidence to try to play. Try the play. I think some guys might get into that role of just being scared to be the whipping boy. I don't know if that makes sense. Your urge to win and be bold is less than your urge to be the whipping boy or stand out, right? So I think that is one aspect. I think that the quickness that radio or newspaper or fans jump and attack their own guys is horrible. I think that the quickness to defend players within their organization. I remember Jeff Petrie or Schultz getting raked over the coals and nobody came to defend them. And just trading them when their value after they've been beaten down for months and trading them. And I'm assuming when he's talking about it's low, he's like it's like it's like when their lowest value. Yeah. So yeah, like let's start. It's interesting there. you start <laughs> with that quote because <laughs>
1: this is where I was going to go to best mm-hmm. because I think look, this caused a huge controversy in the city uh-huh. amongst Oilers fandom, people that follow the team. This was a made. This interview was made to be, uh, the, you know, crazy. This caused a crazy amount of right. of interest. What was but what was interesting to me was that the entire conversation. Subsequent to this interview Revolved around partying and culture Right When this I think is the most powerful <laughs> totally quote In the entire interview And what bothers me about this Is that everyone that was writing stories Or talking about this interview And had a hot take as to what was going on Was the members of media that he's referring to <laughs> Absolutely The people that throw the team under the bus That, that, that single out players That are quick to judge and what bothers me is that the media took no, no one in the media no culture. Way. It doesn't matter if it's Terry Jones. It doesn't matter if it's David Staples. It doesn't matter if it's uh, Jim Matheson. Uh, Jim Matheson, Jim Matheson. Journal, but, even, but even yeah. like the young guys too, the, 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 mm-hmm. blog, the, the blogosphere, the Oilers Nation. Mm-hmm. No one decided to have any kind of conversation or take around what the media does to the Edmonton Oilers and how they, f- they, they facilitate chaos for the sake of chaos. And then complain about the outcomes of the team. Totally that, right. that conversation is not... Even today... Up until that, who's had this conversation? No one. We are the only, mm-hmm. like, quote unquote, media <laughs> that's actually willing to say the media is part of this issue, and that's why we started this podcast. Exactly. That's why we. we this agree. is how you this, and I came together. Is exact it's exactly thing. because of that quote. Yep. We can talk about party culture. We can talk about news. We can mm-hmm. talk about Taylor Hall and Jordan Everly and everything that was going on. I'm fine with that. But no one in the media could look in the fucking mirror and say, "Oh, maybe I'm a part of this too." They I all think they're also. Friggin' high and mighty on this It's
0: just so high up in the clouds i I, I, I totally when when
1: he said that that was the first thing i said Mm -hmm. and then and then you saw the subsequent stories about this interview all from the people that facilitate this chaos not actually having a real and honest conversation about
0: themselves it's appalling i agree i I totally totally agree and i think there was well let's i want to go back to what it was actually the talked about the most in this interview was this idea that um so here's a quote from ference i think the most frustrating part for me as a player like i said when i went there straight from boston where talk is cheap dallas eakins is a fantastic coach and that's another whipping boy that got dragged over the Colts. he was a fantastic coach that just dealt with pure crap hand and a team that would actually listen you had a group of players that talked about how they wanted to make the playoffs and talked about how sick they were losing and they by game three after losing 6-1 They're straight out to the bar till three in the morning, lighting up the nightlife scene in Edmonton. Like, come on, give me a break. It was to a point where it was ridiculous. Now that's where the media, like, first of all, he didn't name any names. He didn't name anybody. He didn't, and he he didn't even say anything that it was a young player or at all. He just said players that were up to three in the morning. Now, of course, the media fill in the blanks and immediately was like, "This is Taylor Hall. This is Jordan Everly." Yes, and. To be honest. Because they have a reputation around it. Absolutely. And 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 to be honest, like ask any woman that was nineteen to twenty five during that era, I'm sure someone has a Taylor Hall story. And <clears throat> I agree. I have a Taylor Hall story. I'm sure. I know people that have Taylor Hall stories. Like this is not this is not news in Edmonton. Um the problem is though, you're right. It goes right back into the media part of it. Because this is what they tuck out. And they forgot about this part of it. And even Merrick was like, yeah, the media was like dragging Dallas Eakins over the Colts over this like swarm defense and he abandoned that after like 10 yeah, games. Yeah, it was like
1: 18 games in the Oilers are still losing and they're talking about the swarm defense at Edmonton and he hasn't he, been playing a swarm defense for like six games. Six games. Or, or, you know, yeah. he, he abandoned after the sixth game but yeah. they were still, it was just like someone latched onto that and that became the story and yeah. that became the conversation. But you talk about you, you, when Dallas Eakins sometimes does get mentioned mm-hmm. in, in media today and they still talk about the swarm defense. Exactly. And it's just like this this incessant sort of like attack of someone for something that wasn't even real, mm-hmm. a- and a- and it would be unacceptable in any other form of journalism on any other topic on any t- other type of medium, except for sports where they where you know the chaos is the story for them. to Oilers. for a long time.
0: Agreed. And it's interesting that you bring up. I mean, we can talk about old fashioned media totally, and like, and we've talked about them. I mean, we just talked about it today about Terry Jones, the, this boomers in indignation and they were one of the first ones to throw Schultz over the fire. They were one of the first ones to throw um, Jeff Petrie over the Petrie, fire. Yeah. And and we can still talk about it today. Like they, they, they have dragged Dry Saddle over the fire. They they dragon other people over the fire as well too. And it, but it's interesting that you say just the blogosphere as well. Because because Oilers Nation, a, a younger organization, are the same problem as well. They do the same thing. They're part of the culture. It's like Chris Russell.
1: Yeah. And that's why I give you such a hard time. I know you give me a hard time with Chris Russell. Russell. <laughs> but Chris Russell is like disproportionately. Is come after. I I think I think you're right. And, you're definitely a, right about that. He's a good example of that, right? Yes. There, there, there's there's a group of people that were just going to slog him. There's a group of people that are going to go after Spooner because they didn't like the trade because Strom hasn't, you know, he hasn't been better than Strom. Yeah, I mean, Strom has wasn't that great to begin with anyway. So like, right. relax here. But like, you know, like there's this sort of. There, there's this and then when you get we go going into Corsi right yeah and people will talk use Corsi like incessantly to argue some sort of belabor some point and that happens as well too and then and, and what happens here and and you know we've talked about this but this is not this is and ex- exactly how it, it it gets framed up and how it impacts players is that then we have a debate yeah there's a boomer culture that says Chris Russell looks good on the ice he blocks mm-hmm. lots of shots he's a good player you guys are wrong and then there's this sort of like tough guy, younger generation that's like, well, look at this stat and look at this stat and look at this stat. You're just old and stupid. Oh, the the, the eye test doesn't mean anything. Right. And and, and that that conversation goes back and forth. When you're talking about a fucking human being and exactly. it impacts the way that exactly. they and, Absolutely. And it, 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 they're disproportionately talking. It is not like they right? don't listen
0: to the media either. Like, And this is a quote from, from Oilers Nation as well. When they're going through the actual interview, I don't know who wrote this. I think it's back now. But he said, <clears throat> quote, Again, you don't seem to be accepting any responsibility, talking about Ferentz, for what happened. And it seemed more like you, Ferentz, and Dallas were buddies, more so than you guys were with a player-coach relationship. There has to be more accountability than that. Again, Andrew Ferentz was captain during this time. Totally understand that. But at the same time, I've worked in a situation where the culture has been that toxic. And it's not one person's responsibility to change that toxic culture. It is the whole culture's responsibility. One person like, what can't you like expect him to take. Do. The f- I know you, you want to go into a practice. Like, what do you want, uh, Andrew Ference?
1: You know, can you imagine w- how crazy it would have been if, in practice, Andrew Ference just grabbed Taylor Hall and started beating the shit out of him? Exactly. Which is what they're expecting yeah. in this, right? And that's sort of the expectation of the culture. But you can't do that. Yeah. I mean, in hockey, you can, which is hilarious. But <laughs> I mean, so and maybe Lewis that's what like needed to happen. Fight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe. Maybe there needed to be a practice fight right. but if if people care i mean there was some pretty toxic stuff that he talked about too like the idea of like don't try too hard yes the practice part and of and like it. oh well, yes. why you try such
0: a try hard and Again, like what that would mean no one talks about that part like they because he, he mentioned how players were like were di- disregarding players who were quote-unquote try hards. imagine if that same culture met like someone like carl mcdavid who does try hard yeah who, who is the captain for a reason. Well, he demands a lot. He demands a lot from himself and his players. And so imagine if that culture was ingrained. Like, I'm so happy in the sense that we have somebody like Ken Hitchcock, who basically does not give a fuck, yeah. will probably bench somebody like Taylor Hall if they are having this kind of attitude. Or a GM like Peter
1: Shirelli, who would trade someone like Taylor Hall, who <laughs> maybe has that, had that and opinion. It's,
0: and it's an, interesting, it's an interesting going back to that trade because – I, I still don't agree with the Taylor Hall trailer. I, I have many, many problems with the Taylor Hall trailer. But at the same time, I wonder if that played into that to that conversation. It absolutely did. I think yeah. everyone intern, inside the league knew
1: Taylor Hall had a reputation, whether it's deserved or not, or whether it's fair or not.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Everyone, th- there was a reputation there. It was, Sagan had the same thing, too. Right. Right? That, right. And it's interesting that Shirely was involved in both, both. of those, those conversations. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's 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 the very thing, the thing about it too is that it's like and and you know I really respect someone like Jason Greger who went to bat for Taylor Hall and was like look I don't I think it was a fine trade or I, I I'm not 100 percent sure how you know Greger feels on the trade but went to bat to defend Taylor Hall in those situations and yeah. I think you know everyone's stupid like I was. 20 in <laughs> Vancouver, too. <laughs> you know, like, uh, you know, I, I always make the best decision. I'm fair. I, I, and, you know, and, and that's that, That's fine. Yeah. Um, but there is also, so there's a subsequent conversation about the media. There's also a conversation about, like, who was managing the team at that Agreed. point. And Agreed. it's not Taylor Hall, uh, not Dallas Aikens, but from, like, a general manager's perspective to what was going it was and and blows. what was what was accept- yeah what was acceptable and what wasn't. You've seen a lot of those mm-hmm. figures. I mean, they're, they they're they, they claim to though. play a predominant, but those are business. They have business roles now. They have uh, reputational roles now. They, they they the day to day the hockey business stuff
0: is far less in their portfolio. I think um, it's Nicholson and Shrelly, right? Yeah. At the same time, though, like. Those people are still there, and I think they do influence a little bit of what goes on in the Oilers organization. I think
1: perhaps I think Nicholson has done a good job of trying to. I think that they've they're separate from that mm-hmm. conversation. Yeah, to, yeah, Kevin Lowe, I think he does have a good hockey mind. Yeah, to, to an extent. But to when degree, you're yeah. talking about culture, yeah, and uh, setting up, they don't have the look. Look at what the draft has been like for the last. 10 I agree. Right, Shirley has done great with the draft. Like, like you, you, you need sort of like a professional mind to this uh in terms of like hockey administration and just playing the game doesn't get you the administrative role yeah. i mean you're running a major business it's a big operation mm-hmm. um it's not you're not talking about tens of employees you're talking about hundreds of employees right and and this is sort of what i think gets lost sometimes in that conversation this
0: totally got lost in the conversation. but then
1: also th- there's a culture that breeds out of that too because you know who liked to party Kevin Lowe I sure did You know who liked to party? Grant Fuhr,
0: Grant Fuhrer Wayne Gretzky Mark Messier Co-co. All those players
1: Yeah You know <laughs> You know like let, Let's So that was a different a time movie out of him soon There's a different That was a different time And that was a, There was a different expectation That team was really good But also got away with a lot of bullshit And you talk, You hear that a lot in hockey now You hear about in a lot of sports Back in the 90s When John Alway was crushing mm-hmm. it No one had a cell phone Yeah Right No one, no one had a cell phone camera Yeah Anyway um, the culture's a bit different. And that, that that was acceptable back then. It's interesting. Now there, there's a professionalism that's been associated with the league and it's made hockey better. It's made the teams better. better. And
0: I think that the thing is that there's, there needs to be a balance, right? Like, I'm thinking of like, the Patrick Kane-led Chicago Blackhawks. They're winners, they're Stanley Cup winners, Yeah, Patrick Kane was a partier. Um, look back last year. Corey like Crawford, man. That guy's a yeah. gem. <laughs> I mean, look at the Capitals last year, man. They went ham after yeah. they won their Stanley Cup, right? Deservedly. I mean, come on. Um, and Ovechkin's a partier himself. But at the same time, I think there can be this atmosphere of we're having fun, we're going to be gelling together, we're going to party at the same time of like Let's be serious. Let's be professional. Let's do stuff on the ice. That's, that's. Well, there's
1: a difference between end of season two and middle of season absolutely two. Absolutely. Too, and too, right? it seemed like Ference was saying, like, well, yeah, we went on that road trip where we went. Oh, it was like three games. He was games talking in. about LA, yeah, yeah. right? And they were all, they were out every night on the. Yeah. I, I think that was what he was talking about. I don't remember the exact quote, but.
0: Yeah. And it's, and it's, and, and you're totally right about the start of it. Like, this conversation, I really wish, and I knew it wasn't going to happen. I knew people uh, were going to yeah. latch onto the Taylor Hall um, partying aspect of it but i agree with the first part like the the toxic media culture no one seems to be talking about that and a lot of the media are pointing fingers at, at andrew ference and it became like after well, that that was
1: hilarious right this became about ference this became about everything but the media the aftermath of what, that yeah. was
0: fucking terrible like like that's why i said at the start of it like andrew ference is a person as well yeah. andrew ference is not only just a person he is a person in this in this community, uh, there's people that know Andrew Ference, they're, they're family members of Andrew Ference in Edmonton, yes, in Sherwood yes, Park. Yes, like that is somebody that is a person. You can't just be attacking that person and to say like, well, he was a shit person in regards. No, I know. There was totally a lot of Twitter, t- like a lot of people on Twitter bullshit. just did, it, it like, it was it was bullshit. Like the media
1: did everything but talk about themselves. Exactly, and, and, and it was almost as though, like, you know, this is a bit conspiratorial. It was almost as though they recognized. How damaging that quote could be to all of their reputations. So there's this cabal of uh, of media members surrounding the Edmonton Oilers, basically just they all decided not to t- not to talk about it. Whether it was the blogosphere or the traditional media, or it, you know we're the only mm-hmm. ones talking about it. Mm-hmm. We're the only ones talking about it, and it was the first quote and it was the most powerful quote. It was the most powerful quote. I totally For agree. me. I see. I it. agree. The with media it. is a big issue in this city when yeah. it comes to this team. Yeah.
0: I and <laughs> one of one of the oh, things I'm I, fired up. I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, the things I put on Twitter, it was like I was like Andrew Ferens versus the media. It was basically the two Spider Men pointing at each other. <laughs> That's what I felt That's it was. True. It was like it was like you're the problem. You're the problem. I'm like, listen, both of you. We both they, they, we had an influence lots in it. Of that as there's well, a lot influence. There's not in enough this. conversation about that. I totally to agree with that. The media in Edmonton is absolutely terrible, terrible, terrible in regards to how we attack people, how we latch onto things, and how we just. Don't let go of this thing.
1: Well, and I think the other thing, too, is that I think the more bigger guys, the national guys, the Elliot Friedmans, let's mm-hmm. say, they can't say that because it's attacking their own cohort. Mm-hmm. And they're having the, so. Yep. And, and I recognize why that would be problematic. But, yeah, you have to be able to...
0: Like, how do you attack Mark Spector? He's a PWHA president. Yeah, like, yeah.
1: Like that's... So Who? So who's going to? That's yeah. why you listen to the 104 podcast.
0: <laughs> so we can go after Mark Spector. <laughs> Just everyone, all of them. They're all <laughs> We're shit. not part of a damn union. So that absolutely right but it's it's interesting how other people can see it like i love following people like ryan lambert because he's like he'll call people like he doesn't give a crap um but like there's other people that are just like listen this is terrible people need to figure this out like because um, it is it, it is a toxic environment and that's what Oilers nation actually led with like yeah that's a pretty toxic but let's talk about the taylor hall stuff i'm like yeah, 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 yeah. Freaking really lean into really? that like come on man you're part of this too like i I don't like that, and I. And I think I,
1: we found our. I, I think we found our niche in this in this hockey
0: club, media club. criticism. Yeah, let's, let's talk about it. Let's talk about media. Let's talk, about, we media and talk about media criticism. Let's let's go after these guys. All absolutely, absolutely. Listen, this has been a fiery, fiery episode. I. There's going to be much more conversation around what happened with Ference. I'm happy that this got called out. I'm happy that this started a little bit of a firestorm in Edmonton in regards to. I. This is. Uh, it'll be good for our conversation, but regards. it was the
1: wrong thing.
0: The it was, and that's the thing. And we need to bring it back to what exactly what was those quotes were. So, um, yeah, this, this is the land of the land of Oilers hockey media I, criticism. I would freaking love that. By the way, <laughs> I would I, if I had the time and the money to do that, I would absolutely do a media criticism on sports because it really, direly needs it.
1: Well, maybe that's where, that's the direction that we need to head.
0: <laughs> Anyways. We can talk. This is, was a, a fantastic episode. Thirty, by the way. Yeah. Happy thirtieth. Happy thirtieth. We're in our midlife. No, we're not. We're, we're a quarter life crisis here. <laughs> Elliot, <laughs> where can people at you if they are, if they disagree? Where can Mark Specter at you at Tanti Yeg? Bring it back. Staples, Terry Jones. If you have a problem, you can at me at German, not German. Um, you can also find the One Hundred and Four Podcast at One. 1- O the letter O for pod, or you can just look anywhere you can find your podcast. Got some
1: exciting news coming in the hopefully, near future. Hopefully. hopefully this
0: will come up soon. So um, if we don't see if you have if you if you're having a great holiday, have a happy holiday, everyone. Enjoy the Oilers' winning ways right now. And uh, yeah, you. So you went Koskinen and Talbot. Koskinen. I went. Let's see here. I went Talbot. Koskinen. Koskinen. Yeah. And you went costume to costume costume. All the way. Yeah, all the way. Let's go see we'll his through. See you in a week. See you in a week.